Hey everybody, welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Thank you for being here, um, being a listener, and I'm most excited about this episode because it's part one of two parts where I uh, dragged Adam into the podcast recording studio, aka the living room of our Airbnb, um, and we sat down and talked for two hours. Bridger slept the entire time, so it just felt like it was this meant-to-be moment where we got to talk about and reflect on everything that we did to prepare and support each other um, as we were going through this incredible life change of being pregnant, um, preparing for what that was going to look like, and then actually bringing a baby into the world. And we felt like we had done a lot of work that we thought maybe if you were about to go through this, um, might be helpful in some way just to hear kind of what we did to prepare. Um, and Adam has his perspective on everything, which I think was always missing when I was sharing the birth story. Um, we a hundred percent went through all that together and couldn't have done it without the other person. So I'm really grateful that he wanted to talk <laughs> into the microphone this time. So this is part one. This is going to be specifically about pregnancy, what we did to prepare for labor and all the things that led up to bringing our son into the world almost 10 months ago now. So enjoy part one, and I hope you love it as much as I did. Welcome back. Thank you. It's been a while. (laughs) The last time we recorded, you were my boyfriend. That's right. And now... We didn't live together. No, that's right. We didn't have a baby. Well, that's what I mean. We were just dating. Yeah. And then now we're married and we have a child and a dog. And a dog. And a house. And a house. Things have changed. Yeah. And the last time I remember saying, like, you're my boyfriend. And I was like, (laughs) it wasn't like new. But do you remember? Yeah. I was like, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot has changed in, that was a year and a half ago. No. No. Two right. and a half years ago. Depends if you count 2020 or not. Right. Good boy. <laughs> Did 2020 actually happen? So we, this is a little bit long overdue because when I was in labor, I turned to you and said, I have to make a podcast about this. Do you remember? <laughs> Vaguely. About as well as I remember. All of labor. Yeah. And then once we got past a few days of labor, I turned to you and said, we have to make a podcast on how to support a birthing person in labor. Like not only do I want to talk about the labor and I already did, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a birth story episode for Bridger three back. I think check that out. It's a great one. It's great. No. Um, (laughs) I mean, Anyway, so then it's just been hard to like, so it's been a long time. Bridger's almost 10 months old. So this is 10 months late, but that's how long I was pregnant for. So in a way Hmm. we've now had our baby for as long as we were pregnant. And so now as we're looking back, we're going to retell to the listeners the story about that, but from the lens of partner support. Because not only was that so crucial during the 10 months of pregnancy, like so crucial to go through that with a supportive partner, 
It was also so, so crucial during labor to be on the same page and have prepared in the same way so mm-hmm. that we were communicating effectively. And then for the last 10 months, it's also been really important to have partner support. Yeah. So I think especially for us and our living situation where it's, you know, it's, it's us, you know, we don't have our family down the street to, to tap in. We have each other yeah. to support one another and to help raise Bridger and make sure Luna's you know, fed. Right. And I think if we didn't have a good partnership, it would have made the lack of familial support even harder. Yeah. Or impossible. Or impossible. And I think that's how we have survived (laughs) so far. (laughs) So we wanted to talk about it and I wanted to have Adam on so we could get his perspective. Um, And really the whole point is to either share this so that it helps inspire you to get on the same page with your partner or just gives you some, some insight into some of the ways that like really saved us through this process. Um, like tips, like actual tangibles. Um, before we start, I just want to acknowledge the women, the birthing people. And I want to say birthing people on purpose because gender is dumb. Um, who didn't get to have, partner support because of COVID Mm. when they weren't allowing husbands or doulas into birth. Like I get like chills imagining because I could not have done this without you. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge and send love to those people. And then also people with like partners in military who've missed a labor, single moms, people who can't afford a doula, all those people. I just, I'm so impressed by you because I could not have done this without Adam. Like, I don't know what it would have looked like, but it would have been so much harder to do without. Like, I can't, I can't picture going through any of that without you. And you were so incredible during the 55 hours that you were on (laughs) duty. Um, So let's just dive into it. That was a good intro. Um, So it really takes two, right? To make a baby. But then... And I like gave you a hard time when I was pregnant that I was doing all the work. (laughs) And although that's true, you actually kept me alive. Like pregnancy was not easy for me. So I want to start with pregnancy. Some of the things that we had to do to learn what was about to happen to us. And it starts with the night that you slept poorly. (laughs) It should be much more specific. Okay. I think I know the night that you're referring to Yeah, the night that I slept poorly and then I woke up Mm -hmm. to you in the guest bed with me Yeah, telling me there's a non-zero chance that I am pregnant. Yeah. I said, this is the highest chance that I've ever had that I could have messed up the, so I was doing, um, like, what do you call basal? Basal body temperature measuring for birth control. So I was taking my temperature diligently for the last the last three years before this. Um, and so I turned to Adam and I said, hey, more than I've ever been sure of the fact that I made a mistake on the calculations of the days um, and which days I was fertile or not, there's a higher chance than ever that I could be pregnant. And then what did you say to me? What do you remember from that conversation? 
I, I remember feeling remarkably certain that whatever happened, whether this just was a, a scare or it led to a pregnancy that we would be great. You know, we, we hadn't been together for that long. We hadn't been through that much challenge or hardship, but that was kind of the, the kicking off of a long stretch of, you know, challenges in our life. And I, for many reasons, just had so much confidence in our ability to figure it out. But part of that is a stupidly unfounded, like optimism that I just have. And yes, I'm more pessimistic. Of the two of us. Yeah, yeah. You're the we balance each other out well, I think. And, and I think I came to you in that moment being like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. All I had the like, pe- not hmm. pessimistic side, but like, we hadn't had a serious talk like that because we hadn't had, like, not that we hadn't had serious talks about, we never had a serious talk about having a baby. Like, I think that yeah. was, we talked a little bit about like what we thought a wedding could be like, but like, mm-hmm. vague, like we just weren't at the place where we were ready no like we were dating and you approached it with we can get basically get through anything together like that was your and i was like are you gonna run away (laughs) (laughs) i was just stalling while i planned my exit yeah but you were so calm and i remember being like okay well we'll see what happens like let's see what happens in two weeks i had no understanding of like I didn't realize how many, how hard it is for people to get pregnant when this happened, what the miscarriage rate is or anything. Yeah. Cause I just never did. And I'm sure you hadn't either any kind of research on that. Cause I wasn't at the phase of life where I was thinking about it, asking questions about it or planning for it. Right. So we just had no idea what we were walking into. No. And I think that, that dynamic held true for a while for me in which I was just picking up what I could as we went along, but believing that regardless of what happened next, that we would be okay. Mm -hmm. I'd seen friends go through miscarriages after trying for a long time to get pregnant. The fact that we ended up getting pregnant just out of chance and then staying pregnant, you know, it didn't, it didn't strike me as, anything but amazing kind of yeah like just given like, the odds <laughs> like magic like remarkable yeah. like yeah. i kept thinking like this baby is a survivor totally like he's meant to be in this world because he's defied all odds yeah. in my opinion and so two weeks later i take a pregnancy test I don't want to spend too much time in this because I've already Mm. told this, Mm -hmm. but I just want to say like, we literally didn't know what we were doing. The pregnancy test showed that I was pregnant. So I'll just go through this to get to the, still didn't know what that meant. I remember bawling, calling some people, called my parents, which I laughed so hard because like, I think (laughs) about like, I was like four weeks pregnant. Like it was so early and I didn't understand that. I thought I was pregnant for the long haul at that point. And we called your sister and she was like, how far along are you? And I had no idea how to calculate that. I didn't know what that question really meant. Like I didn't know how to count, you know, because it just wasn't something. And I just looking back, I think, wow, like we, it's almost like we knew that this was going to lead to 
a bit like I don't know. We just we knew it was serious. Yeah, and I <laughs> I think when I look back on that very groggy morning when you came and told me that you know, yeah. this might be happening, there is part of me that feels as though in that moment I knew that this yeah would like lead said. to us becoming parents. Like I couldn't couldn't rationalize that feeling, but part of what I think made me so certain in that moment was not feeling scared really at all. Just feeling like this was going to be something that changes our life forever. Mm -hmm. And in a way that was more positive and profound than I could have possibly really imagined. But I was scared to the point of questioning keeping the pregnancy going. Yeah. And you, there were, there was some shared doubts, not about us, yeah, but about our, our readiness. readiness. Yeah. The phase of life that we were in. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a planner. Would you call yourself a planner? I don't know if it was related to that. Like we, I think we just, although you had this very strong sense of like, it'll all work out. I, didn't in the beginning, not like with you. I just, I just felt too drastic from where we were to go from dating for a year and a half to then parents. What people told me was you have 10 months to prepare nine months. Cause you find out when you're right. one month pregnant, technically, well, whatever. That's how they start counting. Yeah. Um, do you remember that phase? Yeah. And I think, um, Again, I, I, looking back at the nine months, there was kind of a, a pattern that I see playing out between us, which was, you know, my, my optimism, my belief that we would get through anything and that, you know, it took a little while, but I came around to the idea of us like starting the family that we had brainstormed at a high level, yeah. um, getting on with our life in that direction as something that we were ready to do. But, you know, ultimately at that point and throughout the pregnancy, I felt like my role was to, to be as supportive and understanding and knowledgeable as I could be. And it, it wasn't to impose really in any way what I thought was, you know, my vision for how things would play out. I am a planner, like to mm -hmm. a, stupid degree. I have this vision for like how the next day, month, decade will play out. And that's never actually worked in that way. But I, I do like to visualize kind of where things are going. And this wasn't part of that plan until the possibility presented itself. And I think the fact that as we learned more, there were so many ways in which that possibility might not come to fruition, that the pregnancy yeah. might not continue. It's we like, were like almost once I've learned the statistics, mm -hmm. I would go to every appointment being like, I don't know. Yeah. Which was terrifying. Cause once you, uh, that was so hard. Like we decided we're not going to intervene with this pregnancy because we also knew that not every pregnancy guarantees that you're going to have a baby. It's one in four pregnancies. Yeah. One in four embryos don't develop the way that they're supposed to. 
And then the body miscarries. The body says, nope, that's not going to like turn into this thriving organism. Mm -hmm. So I think we were sort of like, and what are the chances that this baby kind of like we've one in four chance that this baby is going to actually become a baby. We don't know what's going to happen. Let's not intervene and like trust sort of this egg (laughs) and sperm (laughs) to see like what happens. Like if it's meant to be our son, like it'll happen. And then that just sort of kept happening. There was a heartbeat, which was the first time it felt real at all. It was like, crying you were on facetime because this is covid this is march no april 2020 by the time we had the first ultrasound and my mom had sent me what to expect when you're expecting Mm -hmm. your sister had sent me expecting better Mm -hmm. those two books so i didn't know what was going on in my body and all the midwife um no i was seeing an ob at the time they would say like what are your questions i didn't even know what questions i was supposed to have because i didn't know what was happening to my body at all all i knew was that I knew what week I was on. And so I had the books and the apps to compare where I was to how I was feeling. And, um, yeah. And I think the, the resources that people provided were extremely insightful and so critical for us coming up with our own view of what was going to be right for us instead of just having what for me at least was this very ignorant and emotional sort of reaction to, Oh, we're, we're pregnant. We have to, you know, be in a hospital and be seeing doctors and, and seeing all. an OB. We yeah. started off with the, Oh, you go, what happens when you're pregnant? Like, I didn't know there were choices. No. I found an obstetrician, um, who was recommended by your sister's mm-hmm. friend or something. That, so we had some kind of reference, but then along the way I was like learning from other books. We got sent another book from Pete and Condra, the mm-hmm. we're pregnant. We're pregnant. Yeah. Um, which is a great one for partners. I think it's just, we're pregnant. It's a little and yellow. Mm-hmm. We can actually put like in the show notes who that's by. Yeah. Um, cause we've since gifted it to another expecting dad. Yep. Cause it was so helpful cause it also had a week by week for partners. So the week by week is really pre- is helpful for the pregnant mom. Cause it's like, what's happening in your body now? And you might be feeling mm-hmm. terrible. Yes. Check the box. But for the partner it was like, here's what's happening. How would you describe that book? Yeah. It's, um, very, very useful and very like medically focused, but accessible overview of what's happening in your body week by week, what's happening with the baby week by week. And then most importantly <laughs> for both of us, like how I can be involved yeah. and how I can support you. And, and it was short, right? It yeah, wasn't like, like my books were like chapters long <laughs> for each week. Each week of this was like a couple pages. Yeah. Really just like what you need to know. Yeah. And like what you can be doing to be planning ahead. Like yeah. once you're getting closer to the finish lines, like you better have that like hospital bag packed. Yeah. Like you still haven't done it. I know you haven't, yeah. but go do it. Cause it's getting close and give your partner a massage. Yes. That because, was like every week. Yeah. That was every week. And every time he would read it, I would get a massage. <laughs> so I highly support yeah. this book. Go buy that book for your partner. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So <sighs> pregnancy is happening. We get to 12 weeks. I've read up to 12 weeks what's going on, but I'm so afraid to look further because I'm like, I still don't know. 12 weeks is when the chances of miscarriage go down significantly. So that's a time when people are really anxious about and they don't share that they're pregnant until 12 weeks. We definitely shared earlier. Cause again, like, I don't think we really knew enough not to. 
Yeah. And we, and we had this approach, like if we miscarry, if I have a miscarriage, I want all the people in our lives who will be supporting us through the positives to also know, and not that they'll know how to support like, but so that they can be there for us if we lose this baby. I mean, what a, what a burden on you and on any mom who's gone through that process. Yeah. Just to carry that on your own. It's such a shameless tragedy. And that's the worst feeling that you typically feel. That was the other, I kept thinking like, how do people, and so this is when COVID happened. So I was home on the couch working from my bed at times, like feeling terrible. And I kept thinking, how do people do this and not tell anyone that they're like throwing up or they're like, like eating, like, I was just sure that everyone would know. Like I, there was a drastic shift in my behavior, yeah. which is not the point of this podcast, but we'll keep <laughs> it. Um, another thing, the way you can help your partner during the first 12 weeks when it's up to you, if you decide to share, we took the approach of like, we want you to be through. If we have t- loss in this time, we want to grieve with our people and um, we're just open. I'm a really open person. I don't know, Adam, you're kind of, in between. In between, but that was our approach. But another way um, Adam supported me during this time was he did not judge my cravings. He leaned enabled. In, he enabled them, which <laughs> is my advice. If you're listening to this, just let your partner. It is really hard to, I would imagine. Would you agree that it's hard to watch your partner go through this like drastic change? Yes. I would say one of the hardest aspects was the the challenge that you had at times at allowing yourself to have cravings and yeah. to allow your body to control its needs rather than your mind get in its way. Yeah, that was it was really hard for me as like a health conscious person and someone who struggled with food to feel this intense craving for a cheeseburger. Yeah. or cream cheese by the spoonful and be like, because there was no nutritional benefit to that craving in my head, it was really hard for me to relax. And I would just reach out to every mom I knew. And just like, I wanted to hear that other mm-hmm. people just trusted that they needed to eat a lot. Weird, like, just don't fight <laughs> it. Cause it's so strong. And if you spend your energy fighting those cravings, um, why? like it just is so I don't know I feel like so you let me you went to the drive-thru for me and got me french fries when I just said I just need french fries I need chicken nuggets I need bagels I need cream cheese I don't know why sometimes all in one yeah sitting yeah um no I think what was also useful besides just that trust was like as we learned more it became possible to see the ways that your body was changing and reacting as, you know, smarter than we gave it credit for mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. no, you needed that cream cheese. Cause it has a bunch of calcium, calcium and like yeah. that burger has a bunch of iron and mm-hmm. whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's aspects that from the, yeah, delicious. Like let's not overthink that one. But right. the, um, yeah, I guess the, the emotional reaction to like, Oh, this is unhealthy doesn't take into account like the ways that your body was changing and like what it needed to yeah. support Bridger. Yeah. And so your support and me just like feeling like I 
could indulge and pull over. We need to go to that drive through. I need a lemonade right now. Um, was helpful. So then our friends, uh, Pete and Condra also sent us a hypnobirthing book. Mm. And I'm, I'm like in my head, I'm, I know which month we're in. We're in like May. Okay. They sent us a package. We FaceTime with them with, um, that pregnancy book, hypnobirthing book. Is there anything else in there? I can't remember. Sorry if there was, <laughs> but the books were so foundational. So I'm still going to an obstetrician, but I kept coming home to you and saying, because of what else I was learning, I was also reading like 15 other books. I was like, this doesn't feel good no. to go into this setting. And you, it was around May, June when you were like, you need to listen to your body. Like, let's try something else. Yeah. Right. Like, do you I mean, remember getting yeah. to that point? It was after the 12 week appointment. Mm -hmm. We heard a heartbeat again. We saw the ultrasound. Things were still progressing healthily. And so we shared with friends and family, but I had this feeling like I didn't like the provider that I was going to. Yeah. I mean, you, you have influenced me profoundly in a thousand ways, but one of the most impactful I think is, in trusting your intuition, I guess I'm saying I trust your intuition, but I've also learned to trust my own. And, you know, the fact that this didn't align with what your gut was saying was right for us. I trusted and without question, I carried a lot of that, like I said before, kind of ignorant, emotional sort of reaction to, Oh, we have to, in order to be safe through this pregnancy, we have to go be in a hospital, like seeing a doctor with an OB who is a surgeon. Yeah. And like obstetricians are the ones that perform the medical, um, cesarean sections, they mm -hmm. deliver babies. They're more like, yeah, they're the most medical approach. Totally. And I think I have admitted pretty freely that like the extent of my, knowledge about pregnancy came from the movie knocked up. Like that's about <laughs> as deep into the research as I had gotten prior yeah. to us getting into this. And so when you had this feeling that this wasn't right for us and we came to understand in part through other the options. hypnobirthing book yes. and just from talking to other people that there were a wealth of options and that the, the fears that I think we both held mm -hmm. around the safety were not not totally unfounded, but like there was a lot of misconception Yeah, based on, you know, the, the need to be in a hospital being a very low likelihood chance of, you know, needing resources for an intervention. Yeah. And, and things we learned was even that women that birth in hospital settings with obstetricians specifically are statistically mm -hmm. more likely to receive interventions. Um, drugs, narcotic, like pain relief, they're more likely than the women that birth at home hmm. or birth at a birth center or birth with midwives, which is the next phase of this. Mm -hmm. Through the hypnobirthing book, I learned what a midwife was. Did you know what a midwife was no. before? I thought it was like an old-fashioned lady that came to your house and yeah like colonial williamsburg like into <laughs> your little cabin and delivered yeah. your baby in your bathtub. Yeah. Like I thought it was like this woo-woo thing and I kept reading about it. Um, I think our friends, Pete and Condra had said the one piece of advice from her, she had just had a baby was 
you have choices, um, which I had never thought about before. Like I have choices with, no, I thought like the doctor knows best and I go in and they do X, Y, and Z. And she was the one that planted the seed. We started reading the hypnobirthing book and it was a little too much for me. I think it was like too, at the time I was like, yeah, it was like other end of the spectrum, other end of the spectrum. And I had, I personally had too much fear from things like knocked up about labor to be like changing the script at all. Like taking any kind of like risk at that point. Like I wasn't ready for it. So I put it down. However, we switched to a midwife practice at a hospital nearby. Started seeing them as I'm still accumulating these books. And then I just want to fast forward to, um, just for time's sake to the next thing we did. So we read a ton of books. Did you read any, you read the hypnobirthing book. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think excerpts of expecting better, yeah, because we were questioning the caffeine. Like, what can I eat? Can I have sushi? Yeah. And then we did the better birthing together. Yeah, we took the better birth stories yeah. online course. It's just out of the UK. Um, it was awesome. I was about to pay. I don't know how many times more, like ten times more for a um, a birth course that a friend had taken, hypnobirthing course. I had landed on hypnobirthing, which sounds so like hilarious. Just the word hypnobirthing. <laughs> it just sounds like what you're hypnotized and then you give yeah. birth, like <laughs> who hypnotizes you. But you read that book right after I did the first time I read it again, like probably twice. And then we found, I found this birth center, um, the birth course and it was online and it was just video. And I watched it. We started some of it together and I was like, this is it, Adam. Like it just, Everything I needed, it fulfilled. Yeah. It talked about all the stages of labor. It explained for me, someone who needs to know what's going on biologically, what was going to happen, what the sensations were going to feel like. How did you feel about hypnobirthing like when we started the course? Or like, did you feel like there was a change once you actually went through the course? Yeah. Um, I think similar to what you described, I had a very intense and negative initial reaction to that idea of hypnobirthing without really understanding what hypnosis was or much about the, the real risks and the process of labor and birthing. Um, but once I read that book, once I took that course, I mean, the course did an awesome job of educating first and foremost about like why being in a hospital leads to more interventions and then providing all those resources to both of us. Like Mm -hmm. there was, a lot of awesome stuff in there for you in terms of yeah. meditations and positive uh, affirmation, yeah. meditate, like visualizations mm-hmm. of birth. And then for me, there was all sorts of great resources too, around scripts that I could read to you to help you relax, which mm-hmm. we can talk more about. Yeah. Um, massage techniques. Uh, there's like handy little cheat sheets. Like, yeah, I never even saw that until last night. Yeah. Partner cheat sheet uh, for labor. Right. It was great. Uh, like a packing list and like a reminder on some of the relaxation techniques and massages. And, yeah. Um, so just explain what hypnobirthing is. Cause we didn't really, so it's, yeah, yeah it's, you, you, you explain. Well, I think what initially struck me was, you know, I have this idea of hypnosis as mm-hmm. like, you know, you go to an event and like Up someone, stage yeah, and- exactly. But in a more general sense, like anything that you do to consciously affect your mind is a form of hypnosis. Like I love meditating and that is like one of the most common forms of self hypnosis. Like you are putting yourself in kind of a trance state Mm -hmm. to 
affect the normal ways in which your conscious mind gets in the way of your unconscious mind operating. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the diagram in the book that's like, so that's ingrained in my mind is a circle of like thoughts, fear, pain, Hmm. thoughts, fear, pain. So if your thoughts create fear, your body will go into this stress response and you'll feel like more pain kind of, I think, I don't think I'm doing it justice, but how, if someone says you look tired, you immediately go like, Oh, I do. Am I tired? And it's the kind of the same thing. Like you are in pain. Like this is going to be really painful. And then you start to look for the pain. And then it was basically saying like, you can use relaxation to calm your mind, to allow your body to do what it's naturally and biologically supposed to do that women can give birth in comas and do without any assistance, without any intervention, without any hands, without any, um, anyone around and how actually that is the most natural and, um, like, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Natural way for the body to do it. And what happens in hospital settings with a ton of intervention and bright lights and a ton of strangers you've never met before and nurses and machines is it can create a fear response for a lot of people, which creates more pain, which means they need medical interventions and they need epidural and they need, and then it becomes like it slows down the leap. There's all these, it's like a spiral. It's like, once you start, it just dominoes. Totally self-fulfilling. Like as soon as you go in the hospital, the chance that you need an intervention goes up because your body's in fight or flight mode. Yes. And how birth used to be done at nighttime in in home settings with with really trusted providers with minimal people with minimal lights with relaxed music and so that's what hypnobirthing is it's like wait a second we've come and medic we've made birth this medical event but it doesn't always have to be yes there are high risk births and there is I mean, speaking from experience, there are times when you do need these interventions to potentially save the life of your baby. And I'm not discrediting those, but the vast majority of pregnancies are uncomplicated and don't need as much medical intervention as they get. And in this country, we have the highest rate for a developed country of female, um, of maternal mortality. And yet we think that the hospital is the safest place to birth. But we have the highest rate of any developed country for women dying in labor, which does not always have to happen. I mean, of course, there are situations that can happen, but that just like you can tell from my voice, like reading this information and learning this just made me have such a strong aversion to a hospital. And what was really important was that I felt safe and supported in what we had learned and that you weren't disagreeing with me no I don't know how to put it but like you trusted that like I really was taking time to research what I thought was going to be the best for both of us for our baby and you leaned into that you took the like not every partner that I have heard of (laughs) would take the course but I'm saying that like that was crucial for you to have gone through the same thing and like we were on the same page because you put in the work to get there which I don't always think is available in some partnerships. And that makes me really sad because I don't know how we would have like gone through without us being on the same. Yeah. Well, and I'll say I didn't, I innately trust your intuition, but when it came to what I perceived going in to be like a safety concern for you and our baby, Mm -hmm. I needed to do the research on my own too. And I needed to take that course to feel Mm -hmm. okay. 
and feel comfortable with us not being in what to me felt like yeah. the safe place in the hospital yeah. and, like, and finding out that that was actually like maybe the worst yeah. possible place for us to start at least um, was very, made it easy to trust that feeling that there were a lot of options mm-hmm. and that we could follow that, that feeling. And we decided a home birth wasn't for us. I didn't feel, I personally didn't feel like our home was, it was a new home for us. We just moved. We shared two walls with people and I felt like it wasn't the safe place that I wanted to give birth. So we decided against a home birth. But around this time, after I took the course, I had this revelation that I've been thinking about since the beginning. Cause we actually did tour the birth center early on. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. That's right. We found a birth center, standalone birth center, which is a birth center where women can go and give birth if they're low risk. Um, and I had always had them back in mind. I still had a lot of fear. So we went from OB hospital to midwife hospital. That felt like a step in the right direction, but it still felt too hospital for me from what I was learning. I just didn't want that. So then we, after we did the course, I think I was like, mm-hmm. I want to be in the birth center. Like I have no hesitation anymore. I'm not scared anymore. I'm empowered from what I've learned. So we switched again. <laughs> To the birth center Boulder. This is our almost a year ago. I think it was like August, September, mm. 2020. Yeah. Called them like, Hey, I'm doing no, late November. Do you have any space? <laughs> they were like, come on over. And then do you remember that was the first appointment you were allowed to go to? That's right. Yeah. It was amazing to get to actually be in the room with you and yeah. get to meet the, the midwives there at the birth center. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it was such a, a warm and considerate kind of environment that it, I totally understood why given everything we'd learned, why that would be an amazing place for you to feel safe in yeah. going and going through the, the birth water birth that I was yes. dreaming about because exactly. I wasn't allowed in the hospital. I kept, let's talk about the visualizations mm-hmm. and meditations, the scripts. Um, cause we talked about the books, the courses. So now we're like, okay, like I feel like I'm dialed in. I'm like, I am like, almost getting excited for birth instead of being terrified the way I felt up until this point. So we're like two and a half months away from birth. So I'm like just in the third trimester. Um, part of the course is to listen for me. I had like affirmation cards around the whole house. You remember those? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the body is my body is creating these powerful surges, <laughs> things like that. Um, and then we found the birth center. So we were just like honed in on, let's do this hypnobirthing thing. And when I brought up that I was doing hypnobirthing courses to the midwives at the hospital and the birth center, they were like, though we have the best results from women who've taken courses like that. Like we totally support you. So I was just like, I felt like I was on fire. I was like, yeah. this is it. Like I've <laughs> done it. But, um, so part of the prep for it was, um, my own, uh, relaxation meditations that were from the course that I downloaded to my phone. So I would do those in the bathtub, um, in bed. They were actually, um, really effective in putting you to sleep, which is, um, and, but you're still listening to this recording. Like I trust my body. I am relaxed. My body knows what to do. And so I was listening to these things Mm -hmm. doing like some self relaxation meditation, but then there's a lot of partner involvement. So those were the scripts you want to share about the birth scripts that you... Yeah, there were, I guess there was one in the, the hypnobirthing book and there's one in the 
better birth stories course. Um, and we would kind of alternate back and forth where every night as you were getting ready to fall asleep, I would read you one of these scripts and maybe a minute or two long in my like slowest, deepest voice possible. Yeah. And just, uh, I would pass the F oh, yeah. out. I think almost every night you fell asleep. I don't think I, I even heard the whole thing, but the thing is like, no, you can actually hear it yeah. while you're sleeping and it's still yeah, you're very work. suggestible when you're <laughs> asleep. Actually. Yeah. Sorry. Um, now, so the, I think the point of it was that, you know, I will be by your side, hopefully COVID permitting, like we were planning for me to be by your side during the, the labor and delivery and, you know, having, having this recognition of my voice, mm-hmm. me being beside you doing the, the light touch massage and, and Which reading is you these, the back of your, yeah, fingers. back of my fingertips, just kind of gently down your arms, down the you know side of your head yeah. on your neck, uh, just the, the goosebumps. I mm-hmm. reminded myself in my notes last night, um, the goosebumps, release uh, endorphins yeah I think, or which, like relaxing hormones to the body yeah which like counteracts your body's the release of the enzyme catecholamine that is released when you are fearful wow so i didn't know that i yeah read my notes last night yeah but. and so the whole point of this these relaxation um, meditations and scripts were to bring me back to a place of calm know that i'm safe and then also um tension in the body causes more, I don't want to use our pain because now we're in hypnobirthing term, causes more friction. Mm-hmm. Your uterus is a muscle. So if the, that muscle is tight as it's, as it's working really hard to, to, um, open to let baby come down, it will create a longer, more powerful labor right. than it needs to be. So those techniques were also to help me like relax my mm-hmm. jaw, the jaw and the uterus are like very connected. So it's like, I knew that like I needed to be getting out of my own way. Yeah. And the, that was supposed to be something like to remind me. Right. So we okay, put Adam's in here. Yeah. We put in all this practice effectively, like yeah. each of those sessions every night for a few months leading up to the delivery was intended to make it easier. Once we were you know, in the birth center to mm-hmm. start reading that script and to bring you back to that place of relaxation because we'd put in all that, that practice. Work. Yeah. yeah. They were saying like, do these scripts every night, do the relaxations every, so that way, um, when you bring in, when you go into labor and you go have your headphones, you're listening to the same things that are so comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. And so it can bring you to a place of like ease. Have you talked about the, the deer in the woods analogy with the hypnobirthing? That's one of the things that comes to mind where Ooh, like, yeah. um, in the course she says, you know, just a lot of it is relating us back to you know, our roots that we are animals. Yes. And her point was, you know, if a deer is, you know, which is another woods, mammal. Yes. And is preparing to give birth and is relaxed and it's dark and she feels safe. Like the birth will just happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as she hears a, a twig crack, her uterus contracts. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll actually go up right. back into the womb. Yeah. And the process is just cut off and her, Point. I mean, I don't actually remember the point about women in comas being able to give birth, yeah. but I think the whole kind of message of hypnobirthing is like, let's get you as close to being in a coma mm-hmm. as possible. <laughs> yeah. like, we're trying to induce a vegetative state. Basically. Yeah. 
And that will be the less friction and the less likely for um, need of medical mm-hmm. intervention, X, Y, and Z. Right. And so the scripts were a really fun for me way mm-hmm. to, to feel like I could be involved. Yeah. And actually help. Yeah. Cause I think I remember you expressing like, I feel like this is such a, I don't know what my role is. And I totally. think a lot of partners feel that sense of like, I want to support you, but like, how the F can I yeah. do that? And it was, it was easy for me as someone who likes to solve problems and isn't always necessarily great at just like listening and, you know, hearing that there is a problem and empathizing. Like I want to go and like, fix it. And with pregnancy, like there's nothing really to fix. Like the first trimester was just brutal and you had all these cravings and your body changing in all these ways. And all I could do was, you know, listen and bring me crackers in bed. Yes. (laughs) But like, I think that that reminds me of just how critical it was for us to continue to communicate about like how all of that was changing. And like Mm -hmm. we, we hadn't been together for you know decades, but we knew how to support one another in our normal lives and how to communicate what our needs were and, and kind of how to anticipate what each other's needs were. Mm-hmm. But then all that went up in the air. Yeah. And it was critical for me in order to feel as though I could be a part of helping you and, and supporting you through this process for our family yeah. to to understand like what things I could do to actually be useful. Because it was totally different from anything that... That you'd seen yeah, before. I had no idea. And I think that's important too. Um, we learned that the approach we were taking was not conventional by the way others responded to it. And so it kind of got to a point where we weren't trying to hide the fact that we were at a birth center from our families. But it doesn't really matter who supports you as long as you and your partner are on the same page. It's your like baby. It's your experience. And, um, I don't know how to put this, but like, I have heard other people say, and in the course, it talks about how fear is like learned about labor is not supposed to be scary. It's a natural way that your body will go and do. And when you're in a coma on its own, we create the fear. And I didn't fear, fear, feel any fear from you, Adam. But what I did feel fear was from like society's expectations Mm -hmm. of what this is supposed to be hospital is the safest place. Like, how could you take that risk? And people don't necessarily understand. So if you come to this approach, like, I just want to say, don't feel like you have to be totally, I'm not saying lie to your friends and family, but if you feel like other people's reactions are affecting how strongly and how good you feel about your choices, then don't share them. Like, honestly, there's no place in labor for other people's opinions on what you should do, unless it's obviously medical, but I think that was like something I struggled with was we were on the same page and we were on fire. And then I would like, I did tell my mom what our plan was, but I could hear in her eyes, I could hear her be scared. Mm -hmm. And, um, that did not help me with the fear leading to pain, leading to (laughs) long labors. Um, I just think you really just need to be on the same page as your partner. And, um, you really don't need to have the support of everyone in your life. And, I don't know. I'm just giving you permission to find your path with this and the thing that feels right to you because you do have choices and it doesn't have to look like everyone else's. It won't look like everyone else's situation. And I would, I would say too, because this is something like communicating is something I've always struggled with, but like sit down with your partner, like months at least before, you know, you're planning to have a baby and 
make sure that you have the tough conversations, like make sure that you are on the same page about what your fears are, like where you see this, this going and, and what you will actually both be comfortable with. Cause you don't, I, I can imagine someone, I can imagine me five years ago having harbored a lot of reservations that I would have kept in. I would have said, well, Natalie's comfortable with this and I don't have to be, mm-hmm. but that would have made me so much less authentically Mm -hmm. supportive. And I don't think possible for me to have shown up for you in the way that you needed without being like fully genuinely bought in. Yeah. And, and it maybe always doesn't go that way where both people are totally on the same page, but I think you got to get as close to that as possible to have that authentic, like the body can read authenticity, right? Like if you were had reservations about our plans and you're reading these scripts out of like obligation, yeah. it wouldn't have drifted me into sleep within a couple of minutes. No. Like it just worked. We were just like, kind of really came together. Um, and you have time to, you've, you've nine months, like to learn, to figure out what your options are. Um, the birth book and course also did have different positions to try mm-hmm. like partner support positions, like helping her partner into a low squat massage um, they didn't really cover counter pressure, hmm. which came up in the actual hospital, but there was one other thing I wanted to say was, and I can't remember, but the thing we did do to prepare for alternatives, labor alternatives, <laughs> I posted about this on social media and I want to do a full episode on a birth plan. Yeah. Cause I'm such an expert, but like I'll take a birth plan from the internet and we'll talk through all the, because we were so sure of what we wanted. I was, we were manifesting this birth to be a certain way. We did not prepare for what happened. And I kind of fight with myself over this, but I've come to a conclusion that I would suggest you pick what, how you want your birth to go. However, you also self-educate on what happens if shit goes sideways like it did for us. Because yeah. we were utterly unprepared for what happened, actually. <laughs> and a lot of the ways we prepared didn't feel like they fit into our circumstance in the hospital, the way things went with our induction and our yeah. preeclampsia. My, my preeclampsia, that's definitely not ours. So... I would actually also interject that I think that's potentially a a really valuable role for the partner. Mm -hmm. Like so much of your focus needed to be on the positive outcome Mm -hmm. and keeping that as ideally top of mind. Yeah. Like like even if your mindset was, this is the only way that this could go. It it truly does increase the odds that that is the way that it goes. Totally. I think my, my failure what you would do next time. Yeah. Or if we were reliving this, it would be to, um, argue a bit with that stupidly, consistently optimistic voice that says yeah. it will go perfectly the way planned. Yeah. And it would be to, to be the, the support for, okay, should just went sideways. Now what? Like, and, how do we recreate most of what we wanted? How do we know all of our options 
for every scenario? And how do we know which ones to pick that would help us have the most, the most, um, positive outcome according Mm. to our needs and desires in a cesarean, (laughs) like in what I called my plan F. I told your sister (laughs) that I said, she could, Oh, you could always have a seat. She said something like, you know, if you really need to, you'll have a, you can have a C-section. And I was like, that's my plan F. And I think I use the word F cause in my head, I'm just admitting this out loud. I thought that was a failure. Huh. If my birth didn't happen in a water tub, you know, with dark lights and like yeah. music playing. Um, if I got cut open and had the baby pulled out of me, like evicted, I call it. Um, that was like a failure to me, which I don't think it needs to be. Like, I think, there are ways that we could have chosen things that would have made a very sterile and operate um, medical event feel a little mm. bit more like not like a water birth at home, but like, <laughs> but closer to closer to our vision. Yeah. And I, I, I think we got relatively lucky in that, you know, we were at the hospital with the midwife center that we'd already met who knew that we were doing the hypnobirthing yes. course and that we had intended to be at the birth center. Yes. And so they call me the birth center transplant, yeah. transplant transport. Yeah. And it, it wasn't in like a, you know, derogatory way or anything. They were yeah. like, no, we, we understand, you know, what your vision was and you're here because that vision was no longer safe yeah. for you. And we're going to do what we can to respect your interests. And by and large, they, they, really they tried. Did. They tried to their to the extent that they to the could. extent that they could with hospital policy and all right. the bullshit. So the thing that I think um, we, to your point, we didn't have a birth plan because at the birth center it was such a narrow yeah. thing. Like we made some choices about things that happened to the baby afterwards, which was part of your birth plan. But at the birth center there was no medical intervention available on site. They did have the option to give you an IV, I believe, but they didn't have any epidural or Mm -hmm. pain relief that was like narcotic related. So I didn't feel like I needed a birth plan. And a lot of people said to me like, Oh, your birth plans, like just throw it out the window. Cause like anything could happen. I think anything could happen for a small percentage of people who end up with a sphere based mentality, maybe with the wrong provider who is really highly high into like medical interventions. And that's what they want. I think you need that maybe if you're in a system that doesn't give you a lot of flexibility, you need to say, here's what I want this. Don't touch my baby after it's born. Give him to me. Like there's just so many things and because of the birth center, I just imagined it would go the way I wanted it to. So when we got into the hospital setting unexpectedly, I remember them asking me, do you have a birth plan? And I was like, no, I just want as little intervention as possible. I want as little, like I want not to be on my back all the things we had researched that cause more complications. And, and I wish we had had, here's my plan, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I, I think, um, my suggestion would be for the, the partner again, having done more research than I did into how things could go, not according to plan for that kind of education to empower the partner to be your support system. Your da- my, the um, daddy doula. Daddy doula. Exactly. So I can be by the side, by your side when things go in a different direction and be able to say, okay, now we're going for a cesarean. This is what yeah. we want. And you could say, Hey, like there's this, op- you have options. Yeah. 
from a partner and we're, we're on the same page where it's like the nurses aren't going to know what you want. And they're not necessarily going to provide you with options. They're going to say, this is, mm -hmm. this is what we're going to go do. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, I don't think intentionally in all cases, it's not intended to say, you know, we don't want to do mm -hmm. what you might want. Their, their view is just, you know, what's going to be the, the safest and simplest and quickest and quickest, like for sure. in our scenario. Yeah. yeah. Like, Totally. And, um, yeah. And I, there were a few opportunities for me to say, Hey, like you're looking to do interventions that might make it easier for you as the, the nurse helping us through this, but we would actually not like to do, you know, more examinations mm -hmm. and, you know, we want to give this more time to play out on its own rather than deciding that, you know, Oh, it's been mm -hmm. two hours. Like let's move on to the next tool in the toolkit. Right. So without going into the labor too much, cause I think we are at time. Yeah. Um, I do want to do a full labor, like specifics, what happened, what you did, what I did, what the scene looked like. One mm -hmm. looking back, is there any other thing that you would advise a partner to do to prepare themselves? Um, I mean, I think the, the most important for me that I did, but would do to a greater degree is educate yourself as to what the different paths look like, prepare for the paths that you don't expect to take and communicate your Fears, yes. your emotions generally, um, do whatever you can to have everything on the table with your partner. Um, because any little thing that you are slightly uncomfortable with will come up. It will cause space and distance with your partner, if not friction. Um, and there's really no space for that in, in that process. Like if you are not completely connected it will be worse than it needs to be yeah the outcome there's more likely that it will fall off track if you guys if you guys aren't yeah and it just up. it sets the foundation for everything to come like i feel i felt in the the moments and days after labor that our connection had yeah. never been stronger and that yeah. just it set the the tone and the foundation for us becoming parents together yeah it really did thank you thank you <laughs> um no i think this is a good this really covered what we did um i will try to put all the books that we're referencing and hi luna um into like the show notes because someone like me and like Adam, like we need to read books. Like we need like multiple perspectives and sources and apps and things that like really give you a bunch of angles to come up with that. So if you're like us, we'll share everything we did. Obviously our birth took a turn. Um, that can happen. We're the minority though. The complications that happened to me and the situation with Bridger was very rare and is almost impossible to happen again to us. So I don't want you to think that like <laughs> yeah. you're going to have this happen to you at all. I would say too, with the resources, um, 
I think for, for both of us, we did take that approach of like, let's go find everything, but there is a potential of like analysis paralysis and like too much preparation. Totally. And I can, like we talked often about, you know, even our parents, but definitely like a hundred years ago, like our grandparents, you know, it was just what your, what your parents did Mm -hmm. or like what your neighbors did, like how they prepared. Shared wisdom from like a smaller community, not like the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing now to have all these resources to understand your options and be able to choose something that aligns with you. But like, I just would Mm -hmm. caution people from finding something that really not just resonates, but like resonates based on research. Like it both feels right for you and is kind of justified to a degree mm-hmm. and then to, to lean into that and to like, to allow yourself to accept that there's always going to be views that the way that you're going is wrong or yeah. like riskier or yeah. whatever. And just to, to trust yourself once you've gotten to a place of comfort. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I remember getting to this point where I felt like I was so focused on labor and birth and it was almost exhausting and if you find yourself at that point, you need to just, you've done enough, trust your body. That's, that's the most important way to prepare is trusting the female body and having your partner trust the body and let the body relax and do what it's supposed to do. And knows like the baby grows, the body grows a baby without you doing anything. So the same thing is supposed to happen when the baby comes out. Um, the one thing we didn't touch on was, um, perennial massage. Mm. I don't know. It didn't really help because we had a cesarean. However, if you're interested in that, there's mixed research on it, but um, it's like stretching. No, it's a stretching. It's massaging the muscles that the baby comes out of yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the vagina, basically, to um, kind of stretch them. Yeah, like prepare those muscles for a lot more stretching than yeah. you'll do in the massaging. But I yeah. think it was shown to reduce the likelihood of tears. Of tearing, yeah. So yeah. we did do that. It didn't end up being necessary for the way our birth went, but um, that's another one. That's the only one I wrote down. And that's it. So thanks, babe. You were the best pregnancy and labor prep partner it just really had. did bring us, yeah, I've ever had, but it really did just bring us so close. Like we were also very isolated in the pandemic, but like we really were on the same page and it just like helped me get rid of the fear. And I had no doubts that you would be um, a really great laboring daddy doula, but then what actually happened, which we'll do the next episode was beyond what I could have ever expected. So thank you. I was grateful to be by your side and it was easy to, to give it everything I could given what you were doing for our family. It was, Mm -hmm. I felt like a minor supporting (laughs) role in the cast of characters. So this was awesome. You know where to find me for the next episode. Yeah. All right.